On this episode of Resi Week, we talk software solutions, smart, safe, and sustainable, and cybersecurity. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 305, Cyber Terms. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Just Add Power and by Audio. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Jason Knott. He is the Chief Content Officer at CE Pro. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing well, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Then we have Giles Sutton. He is the SVP at Cedia. How are you doing, Giles? I'm doing really well. I can't believe we're here in December, getting close to the end of 2021. Can you believe it? But yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. We are so we are so close to the end of the year. And I did a walkthrough this morning with a client, and I'm like, we can't fit this in this year. Like, really? I'm like, it is. 19 days till Christmas? No, no, sorry. Don't say no. it. Don't say no, it. No, we're done. Let's talk about our first story of the day. This comes to us from CE Pro. Integrators sound off on what they want from their software suppliers. Uh, read through this article as well as kind of the, the accompanying article at, at the bottom. You'll you'll see the link to the deep dive on software. Uh, it, it, they're going through, uh, from, from your company, Jason, they're going through and, and giving quotes from integrators on you know what they're looking for in software and initially i I was kind of trying to parse if this was about something specific or just software in general which i quickly realized it was just software in general but it 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 makes a lot of sense and honestly there's a lot of i don't want to say gripes but concerns that i have in my own business of of you know things like i don't want multiple monthly fees I, i i just want to purchase a version um, we just did that for some of our software where we couldn't purchase a version and it's a monthly, it's ridiculous. Um, Jason, when, when you look through, obviously this list, when you, when you go through that deep dive, should we be looking at industry specific software across the board or should we, is it, is it trying to find software that meets your needs, whether it's industry specific or whether it's just software? So it's a good question, Matt. We did ask in the survey the difference between off-the-shelf software versus industry-specific software, and it really is a mix. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, five years ago, if we'd asked this, it would have been predominantly um, off-the-shelf, and and there's much more industry-specific stuff than ever. But... um, you know, one of the things that really came out from this is the frustration. You know, you talk to integrators who, for example, had a piece of software and they have abandoned that piece of software for various reasons, but they have to continue to pay a licensing fee in order to access their data yeah. from their projects that is that is still included in from when they completed that software. And so they look at, it's a, it's a source of frustration, not just from a cost standpoint, but I really encourage everybody to read the opening. Um, we were talking about it briefly before we got on, but 
just a a very simple customer service based response that um, uh, Paul Ostrin from from Unlimited Integration in Houston had mentioned to me about how his HVAC contractor is able to immediately bring up what kind of system he has when he calls, immediately schedule an appointment on the phone, um, immediately send text messages when they're on the way, as well as a photo of the technician, immediately accept payment and not one of those payment systems that holds on to your money for a long time, but mm-hmm. immediately accept payment and get it into his account very quickly. And, and, and he goes, this is a small two-truck HVAC company. So he goes, the, the fact that, that our industry doesn't have something that, that can do that same thing is really a, a, a tragedy. Well, and, you know, we, again, we did talk about this kind of, kind of pre-show, um, but they're using a piece of software that you can just go and sign up for and, and use it. We just, we haven't seen it really used in our industry yet. Um, Giles, one of the things that uh, the, the article talks on, Jason touched on it as well, is the interoperability aspect of it. We need software that speaks to our other software. We need to know that if we've got, uh, you know, a, a sales piece of piece of software that we use to generate invoices, generate quotes, et cetera, that it can cross-reference with something else uh, so that you can, again, dig in and, and find serial numbers, find warranty terms, all of that fun stuff. How how much of this is, is software-based versus how much of it is a, uh, a, a business process? based because we've all got i got tons of software that i rarely use because i've got i i don't necessarily have the process in place yet to utilize the software i think it's a bit of both i think that if we had um a more of a a one-stop solution for Mm -hmm. the industry i think we'd be that would solve a lot of the process issues i would think The, the you know i remember when i was an integrator and our industry, when you look at the different software packages that are available, there are none that really completely match the business model of an mm-hmm. integrator very well. So our industry is kind of interesting in that we sell products, but we also sell services. We don't sell products, well, we, and then we don't work on a part payment system. So the, the products that we're selling will be then split in different mm-hmm. in percentages, which when you start to look at that using just a standard accounting software, it can become incredibly complicated. And I think because of that, if you're just using a standard you know, accounting package for your business, that's when people kind of cheat and just put in single line items for installation or single mm-hmm. line items for design because they don't have, it's not a fully integrated piece of software. So I think um, I definitely favor a more... Um, a more sort of personalized package for the industry. There are, you know, pa- packages out there for, you know, the home services industry, for pros that are, you know, independent businesses that are out there. Mm-hmm. But there doesn't seem to be that kind of fully integrated package um, that would solve some of the, the, the process challenges and unique, unique challenges that our industry faces. Yeah, I, I'd love to say that we are not unique, but that side is is really big. And I know just from my own experience, running a residential and a commercial business, the software that is built for the resi industry doesn't help me in the commercial side and the commercial side, vice versa. 
really doesn't work in the res residential space as well. It, it's very, it's a convoluted space, but definitely check those articles out there. They're very good. Uh, let's change topics to our next story of the day. This comes to us from Residential Systems. Smart, safe, and sustainable, the keys to the smart building. They're uh, at, at ISE in 2022 in Barcelona. There will be an, another edition of the Smart Building Conference that will reflect the latest concepts in smart home design. Uh, read through the article. It, it kind of touches on the, the four high-level aspects of smart building, including connected home, well tech, uh, media management solutions, as well as technologies for working life. Giles, I, I want to start with you on this one. The connected home aspect, I feel for the most part, we've got a handle on. I'm, I'm a little confused with media management. And it, this seems to come up more and more in the, the connected home aspect as far as how do you, how do you manage that media? How do you go about, um, managing your streaming services, your, your on-site audio, your on-site video, uh, with again, all the, the streaming platforms that are out there before in the past, uh, you maybe had a DVD, um, vault, if you will, uh, from a, a couple of manufacturers. Um, you might've had an audio vault, a music library that you, that you sourced from now that streaming has, has taken over for lack of a better, better term. Are we to the point where media management really isn't isn't in our wheelhouse this this is better suited for the apple tvs or the rokus of the world that's a really interesting question because actually it, it, it is almost media management also it sort of is morphing into becoming a feature on a product now mm -hmm. isn't it in some yeah. respects I, I agree with you like the previous um ways we, we would manage uh, a client's um DVD collection is through through a server like a Kaleidoscape or something yeah. like that, and and then we moved into hardware streaming devices, and now we've moved into basically the media going direct to the TV, and actually not you know and and not necessarily even needing a distribution to be distributed around the home. So, mm -hmm. um, I think we are at the, at the point where that is no longer something that is um, in our wheelhouse. However, I would just go back to the point that quality is still one of the major problems. And mm -hmm. that's why, you know, um, we still see a lot of distribution um, over, you know, AV over IP um, because of that. So there is still the need to have, I believe, distribution in, in when, when quality is a, a key piece. But... Um, yeah, increasingly this is taken away from us and becomes a feature set on a, on a consumer device. I think that's the, the only challenge with that is um, you are then beholden to the ecosystem that that device is part of. And we all know what that means, you know, seeing all the mm -hmm. sort of studio consolidation and the partnerships with, um, you know, with different brands. And, you know, I, for example, last night I spotted that on my um, iPad uh, through the sort of Apple TV consolidated library, you can't actually access YouTube TV because obviously it's a big competitor now with, with, <laughs> with Apple. So that's mm -hmm. where you start to get into those, those, those challenges is that all these brands are now, you know, media management is now becoming the feature by which they're selling devices. So it's yeah. actually becoming, a, uh, it's, it's, it's becoming competition and we're sort of in the middle of it all. I, I think it would be interesting to know and Matt, maybe you can you can address this with your customer base. What percentage of higher end customers are relying solely on a streaming service for their sources versus 
maybe having some sort of a media platform. And then you see companies like Dish that, mm-hmm. that the reason they focus on this channel is because when an integrator sells a customer Dish, that customer never leaves. Yeah. Rich, rich people don't jump around their cable services. So so they they stay. So I I see your point on the streaming services, but I wonder where that goes with the affluent customer if if there's a streaming service but they're always going to be uh somebody who subscribes to either some sort of a cable or some sort of a satellite service. What what we found and I'll preface it with the the comment that I'm in Canada. Our our distribution rights are are convoluted to say to say the least. Um, for example, uh, SEAL Team went to Paramount this year, uh, about a month ago, and it's a it's a CBS show. If you've if you've never seen it in Canada, Paramount does not have the streaming rights to SEAL Team because Global has it. Is who they have a contract with. So up until episode five when it was on CBS and streaming on Paramount the next day, you could get both of those on either global streaming or Paramount streaming here. Uh, now you can't get the the, the follow-up episodes anywhere. They, they just don't exist. Um, but I preface that to, to, to say that what we found up here is that, especially with the affluent customers, they're paying full bandwidth for cable or, or satellite, Right. They're maintaining that subscription and then they're just adding all the streaming platforms as well. So the, the promise of, Hey, you can now stream everything and and save some money and yada, yada, yada. We haven't really seen that here yet. Uh, and, and partially because there's a lot of content that you just cannot find on a streaming platform and, and not like it's hard. It just doesn't exist. They don't have rights for it here. It's limited. It's, it's, it's still convoluted here. Um, but I am, I am finding that more and more clients, even our affluent clients, they're, they're frustrated with the 200, $300 a month cable bills. And they're, they're, they're looking at it, but yes, Jason, to your point, they don't, they don't bounce around. They don't play, um, up here, you know, bell versus, uh, versus Rogers. They don't play that game the way, uh, some of the, the other consumers do. Jason, the one of the things in here that I found interesting, and, and I, I don't like the term, um, but they're they're talking about the technologies for working life. Obviously, the last eighteen months or so, we've we've talked a lot about working from home and home offices, etc. In the article, they they talk about businesses wanting to, from their IT department, you know, track products, keep things up to date, etc. I've heard that talked about a lot, but I have not seen that in most companies uh, that that we work with. And and most of the people that I talk to around the industry still haven't seen corporate America, for lack of a better term, taking ownership over in-house technologies for work. Now, they're managing that customer or or that employee-issued laptop and phone but they're not wanting to own the the streaming web cameras or the 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 multi-screen setups. I've talked to residential inter- integrators who want to own that, but clients don't necessarily want to pay for that out of pocket. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I did a panel at our Total Tech Summit a few weeks ago where we talked specifically about uh, the resi-mercial, and one of the areas was was work-from-home trends. And it was interesting because you would have thought that people were just knocking down your doors to put mm -hmm. in these very high-end home offices. And everybody said it was only the C-suite. Yeah. That once you got past the owner or the, the president of the company, virtually all the employees were to their own devices. Hey, whatever you come set up for your own home office, that's what you got. That's what you got to do. And mm -hmm. so, so the, the trend was overblown. The, the comp companies weren't, I would say overblown in terms of beyond the C-suite. Mm -hmm. Because the, the, um, obviously guys were putting in some nice, you know, multi-monitor systems with nice lighting and those sorts of things. But they said it wasn't this, this huge number of installations that they thought it was going to be because companies just left all their employees to their own devices. So um, it kind of goes hand in hand with what you're saying in terms of I don't know that the media management part of this got extended um, beyond the, the owners of the companies for, for the work from home trend. Um, whether that's going to continue as we go down the line, I mean, people are still working from home. I'm working from home right now, um, yeah. you know, and I rarely did that prior to the, the uh, pandemic. And now I know I will consistently, you know. I, I think in everything that I've read in every panel I've been on and every discussion I've had, uh, including uh, I, I've talked a lot about this with, with David Danto, um, who some of you might know off, off Twitter. Um it seems to be that the, unless corporate is going to put money towards it, your average worker be again, for the lack of a better term, they're not going to spend out of pocket money to add led light panels or add a better mic with a, with an arm or add a camera. They're not going to go out and do anything beyond, you know, the, the $79 Logitech camera they can pick up from Staples. And I think that has been the, that has been the issue um, plaguing, plaguing work from home. Um, I'd love to talk wellness about in this article as well, but we'll leave that for another day. Let's hit our last topic of the day. This comes to us from CE pro. Cause I know Giles is excited about it. Basic cybersecurity terms and definitions. Integrators should know, uh, Amy rock wrote this and it, it, it as it said, it's a list and a, a great definition of a ton of really basic cybersecurity terms. Um, go through the list they they cover the again the basic terms and then they cover the most common types of cyber attacks including malware phishing man in the middle denial of service uh iot attacks password attacks etc um there's there's a lot of stuff in there jason i i'm, I'm conflicted on this one it is a fantastic um collection of terms that everyone working in this industry should know and i'm equal parts disappointed that amy had to write it because i feel like we should know this and we shouldn't have to go over this uh, uh, again um but i know we have to what's involved in actually getting our industry to to actually dig into this and not go yeah yeah, yeah. no i cybersecurity is very important very important I sold a router that has a, uh, a firewall in it. We're good. Yeah, it's very frustrating. You know, we actually have tabbed it again for our January issue 
as one of the top five technologies that integrators can't ignore heading into 2022. We did a survey last year and we asked what percentage of integrators are actually providing some layer of additional cybersecurity protection beyond what's in the hardware, beyond what's in the, the, the router. Um, and it was 27% was the number, which may actually sound probably higher than you might have expected. Yeah. But those are the guys doing SonicWall or Defender or whatever it might be. And the, the issue is not going away. You know, I think it was Parks Associates that did a study and they asked people, smart home users, what was their number one concern? And it was 79% was data privacy, mm-hmm. you know? So um, it's, this could go back. This reminds me a little bit about for years, um, home builders never wanted to talk about the security um, elements that they brought into their homes. They didn't want to talk about the surveillance cameras or the alarm systems or anything like that. And the reason being why should I introduce the concept that I'm building a house in a potentially unsafe neighborhood? Yeah. And so it kind of makes me feel a little bit the same. The integrators, they want to ignore the subject because they don't want to introduce the concept to the homeowner that I'm putting something in that has the potential to be hacked. Yeah. Giles, I think there's two continual factors of this. There is trying to explain to a customer as as jason pointed out that yes we only offer devices that are are highly secure but that means literally nothing (laughs) you can you can sell the most secure product and it's still very likely or very possible to be to be hacked or or have something go wrong with it at, at, at some point the other aspect is, of course, the, the education side of this. There are manufacturers that offer stuff. CD offers stuff. Um, but we still don't see it taken advantage of as much. How do you, A, from a, from a business owner standpoint, how do you go about recognizing the threat, right, and, and learning from it? Where, where do you go to get that information? And how do you explain to your, your customers that, yeah, that, that router that we sold you or that router that the ISP gave you, it's great. It still wouldn't hurt you to put a firewall in place. Well, there absolutely needs to be education on this. And I think it's really interesting that, you know, I don't know whether it was an intentional segue, Matt, but you went from, you know, talking about work from home and the fact that, <laughs> you know, the, the multinational corporations are not controlling the technology that's going into homes that have mm-hmm. their, their computers connected to them. And then, you know, what Jason said around um, the fact that, you know, integrators don't want to have those discussions that, um, that, that open the door to the, the question that a system that's going in is, is potentially unsafe. Mm-hmm. However, that is exactly the reason why this is such a major issue for our industry. Um, you know, I'm actually studying um, a part-time master's in law and technology at the moment at UCLA. And then one of the main reasons I did this is because of cybersecurity and privacy and because of the liability threat that exists for our industry around mm-hmm. this particular area. And that is related to safety. You know, the most, most legislation that exists for trades people in this industry is, is built because of safety. It's built, mm-hmm. built because ha- homes could burn down or flood. That's the reason that regulations exist. However, around this area, there's very little, you know, there's been very few legal tests 
about who is actually responsible should a system that's installed by an integrator be hacked should mm-hmm. and, and it's and it, it, for me it feels like almost an accident waiting to happen because we have high net worth individuals that are not necessarily very you know very technically savvy because that's why they hire professionals um, and then you also have a, 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 an industry where there isn't there hasn't been a lot of education and where actually a lot of products are still installed with default passwords and you know this article that's in CE Pro shows that actually when you start to couple these systems with, um, you know, with lower cost kind of IoT devices, that can then be, that that really can create significant vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. So, I think there needs to be a lot more focus on this from the industry. I agree with you that you know it's it's. I would hope most integrators know most of these terms that are in here, but I think um, until we actually uh, understand the liability, whether it's the integrator, what. It, the, the thing is, integrators install so many different products. Is it the product manufacturer that's liable? Mm-hmm. Should ha- something happen, or should it, you know, or is it ultimately the homeowner? You know, it's, and it's essentially negligence. One yeah. one quick uh, point, and then I have a question for Giles. So, John, if you you saw the that there was a bill introduced in the UK that would um, make both the manufacturer uh, and potentially the integrator who did not change a default password libel um, up to 20,000 pounds a day uh, could be, if it hasn't passed as far, from what I can tell, it was just introduced legislation, but if it would, were to become law. But um, let me ask this question, Giles, don't you see this as, this is like a perfect opportunity for CDL level integrators to differentiate themselves in the market? Absolutely. That, that was where I was going with it. Because, you know, this is, a, you know, a lot of what the work that our um, government affairs teams are doing is sort of fighting legislation, you know, and I, I, I believe this is a, a fantastic opportunity for us to um, position integrators as those specialists when it comes to cybersecurity and privacy. Um, because it, we, we, we can't avoid this. It's, you know, there's going to be more and more devices that are connected in the home. And ultimately, there needs to be education around this. Uh, but also, we need to be equipping integrators um, with the right tools so that they can actually ensure that their contracts that they're, that they're uh, asking their homeowners to sign provide the right provisions so they're not liable should something go wrong. So I think a lot of opportunity. I'm really glad you brought that up, Giles, because if you've ever, if you've listened to this show for more than a minute or two, it's not on. It's not rare for me to come out and say, you know, get your legalese in place, get a contract in place, get a liability release form in place. It's not a big deal. They're signing everything else every time they download an app, every time they renew their ADT <laughs> alarm panel, they're releasing ADT from liability. They're releasing everyone else. They will release liability to you too. At the bare minimum, if you don't have something stating that you've done your best efforts to protect their network, but because they use their network every day, you don't know what they're going to do. If you don't have some basic liability releases, literally just stop selling network. Don't sell anything that plugs in. Just leave it alone. That won't prevent your technician from not, you know, changing the default password that's that's the key so it's like that will protect you to and i'm 100 percent in yeah. favor of that, that legislation that is awesome do that <laughs> oh goodness i'm gonna get hate mail again for that one oh well 
All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. Let's wrap it up there before I go on a legal rant. Uh, Giles, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Cedia, where can they do that? Uh, on Twitter or LinkedIn, Giles Sutton on uh, LinkedIn or Cedia Giles on Twitter. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Mr. Not, thank you for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about CE Pro, where can they do that? Obviously, they can go to cepro.com and they can also follow me on Twitter at Jason W. Not. Excellent. Thank you both. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can hit me on Twitter at Matty Scott uh, and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Thank you.